Howdy. Welcome to another episode of the Connect This show. The first one of 2022. Uh, and also our first one where we invited Doug and he didn't come. <laughs> so we're hoping Doug Dawson will be joining us soon. I think he's either hung up or we um, confirmed with his wrong email and it fell off his calendar. So surprise for everyone, um, including guests, hosts, and viewers. Will Doug join us or not? <laughs> Find out <laughs> later. <laughs> We are going to have a fun time regardless. We've got a bunch of topics to talk about as we kick in the new year. And um, let me start by introducing our regular group of folks. Uh, Travis Carter, the co-host of nearly every episode, is back. Welcome. Hello, hello, sir. How was your holidays? Uh, it was good. Um, yeah, very good until I came home and didn't have any heat. Um, I don't know if anyone followed my saga on Twitter, but uh, came home to uh, like a week in which there was like two or three days above zero at all. And uh, boiler didn't work. And um, I think hot water is more important than heat in the home um, for just keeping the family happy. I learned that. So, but uh, we got we got heat now, so we're good. Nice. Um, Travis, did you have a good good break? I did. Now, is hot water more important than broadband? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay, yeah. very good. Very yeah. good. No, yeah. all, all is good. If you yeah. like power. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we got Kim McKinley uh, from Utopia Fiber, the chief marketing officer and VP and generally person who gets stuff done. Welcome. I'm glad to be here. Uh, like, I didn't have any... Um, like heat issues this winter, but I did ski a lot. We had a lot of snow here in Utah. So I was thinking you look like you picked up a little bit of color. You know, that that's what we call Botox and a lot of makeup, Chris. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> We're getting older. This is a new year. We haven't had Botox in a minute. So we like have to like figure out a solution for that. But no, we're happy to be here. That is a, um, uh, it's a bold, I mean, I've never told anyone about all the facial reconstruction I've done. I'm, I'm embarrassed by it. <laughs> you look it's, amazing, Chris. it's a joke. It's a joke. Oh, I, no, I, um, I, uh, my jokes never land either. I, um, <laughs> <laughs> I was in a meeting today and, uh, we were talking about how, like, it's unfair that like, and actually, um, you were brought up, Kim, we were talking about how it's unfair that women have to like look good on camera. Whereas yeah. like, this is what my hair looked like when I got out of the shower. <laughs> and I think some people interpreted it like I was bragging that my hair is like good. And I'm like, no, like my hair is just whatever it happens to be. And no one cares. Cause I'm a guy. <laughs> Well, that's true because like I had my hair in a ponytail until like 10 a.m. today and I was like, ah, we have to do this. I actually have to brush my hair <laughs> out today. So oh. um, so topic number one, where is Doug? Uh, we'll have to call on our listeners to start checking the trunks of cars. Um, reference to John Candy, classic movie. Um but we're going to talk about uh, a whole bunch of things. And one of the things I wanted to start off with, because we're going to go through a number of different issues. We're going to talk um, you know, a bit about um, what's going on around the country with some of the local plans. Uh, Kim, did you get a chance to digest the new treasury rules? Yeah, it's first of all, like I think it is really good that they are like allowing some flexibility in those treasury rules more than they ever have before, um, because they're they're not allowing of the incumbents to define what the broadband is, right? What the speeds are. They're saying you can interview people, you can do your own speed tests, you can use federal speed tests. I think that gives a lot of flexibility of how they can spend the money. 
Uh, I think it's really, really good. I think they are also looking at community broadband as a solution, which I also think is huge because they're prioritizing that, right? Um, Let the local people figure out how they want to solve their own problem. Huge. I think it was... I think it was a really good, um, a really good compromise between big incumbents and Muni broadband of how we how we want to use this money. Yes, so we can we'll dig into that more because I, I absolutely agree with you on that. And given how much grief I gave um, the Department of the Treasury over the interim rule, um, the fact that they've come back to this position, I think I definitely need to to praise them a bit. Um, uh, Doug wrote something that we can talk about behind his back, which is that people don't care about speed anymore. And I thought it was an interesting post. Um, and then there's a couple of other little things that that we'll be covering. But um, I think the first thing we want to start with is the um, is a video that uh, Rye and Henry uh, have queued up. And um, I should note that uh, Henry is a technical director who runs this show as a wizard that um, makes everything work and will hopefully be bringing Doug in later. And Rye uh, does a lot of production and helps us um, think about uh, what to run and make sure that um we're promoting the show and all that sort of stuff um so uh henry let's let's see this video oh yeah <laughs> kim did you uh were you were your I socks blown off by this i did see that i i thought it was very interesting it wasn't the necessarily the highlight of the show but i at ces but i did think it was super cool how it kind of like moves towards a signal to get it's amazing <laughs> when it flips over and starts walking toward the signal is when i'm going to be really impressed yeah <laughs> <laughs> so this is a it's a wi-fi 6 router um and um and i don't, I don't know what 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 is interesting about it, either travis or kim i mean should we care about this except for the fact that routers are getting to the point where cell phones got where you're just like am i really going to drop a thousand dollars on this thing i think people will at some point um, TP-Link, I mean, I think that was one of the most impressive booths that we saw uh, during CES. I mean, because they have 10 gig router that is coming out with a 10 gig port. Um, they just, they were really impressive of what they had to deliver. And I think that people are, I think that people want that connectivity. At Utopia, like I was blown away with this, is that we're seeing at least um, like a handful of 10 gig customers every month um, coming on the on the network right now, which... Well, I, yeah, I, I can't imagine that I would really go for more than a gig for my external connectivity. Internally, I would absolutely love to have a 10 gig core network um, uh, for the stuff I move around just as I'm ripping stuff on and off the NAS and things like that. But um, I don't even know. Can I, the Cat 5e, is that going to get me the 10 gig or am I um, having to rip stuff out and put the Cat 6 in? I think we were, we're using Cat 6 on our network, yeah, on for the 10 gig. You can so, go short, 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 short distances, yeah. but you would better cat 6E. You know what I like most about that router is it looked like they had lights in the bottom. So as it was turning around, was it shining throughout your house? But honestly, I think the days of the single router model in a house is, are, 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 are numbered. We've, we've gone solely with Wi-Fi mesh in homes. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say it has solved 100% of our in-home Wi-Fi issues. And we use the TP-Link Deco platform, so we can put up to 16 little hubs in a home. And um, and, and that, that has really eliminated the issue. So we won't be on the single router bandwagon anymore. 
So let me talk about this, Travis. How many, yeah. like, I think it's dependent of the size of the home, right, too, right? Like my home, I don't think I need 16 in my home. <laughs> two, two, two would give you a better experience. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, no, up to 16. The, the, the most we've ever deployed in a home is six. And that was a big, you know, one of these big mansions down by the lake. But most, like, uh, apartment buildings, one, you know, like a little, but, like, a, a, you have a standard size house? Yeah, I live in, like, my house is built in 1889. We didn't have the mansions that we built today. Yeah, so one, uh, probably two, but, you know, depending on how your walls are built, if it's lath and plaster, maybe maybe you would get a third one in your house. But I'm just saying that the days of having the big whopper, like, you know, uh, hedgehog looking router in the corner with all the antennas on it. I think that's a thing that's that's uh, days are numbered. We're not gonna spend a lot of time on this, but I'm I'm curious, Travis. Are those primarily using a backhaul um, wireless, or do you run a wire? Oh, um, you can run yeah, you can run Ethernet backhaul, or you can run wireless backhaul. Okay, because it actually you you alluded to something that was interesting a few minutes ago about Doug's article on how people don't care about speed; they care about coverage and reliability. And that's where the mesh comes into play. But do you not yeah. think that people equate speed with that, like coverage and reliability, though? Well, I think they do. But I, that's yeah. the, I think Doug's point is that like most uh, most Americans, like on a cable plan, have well in excess of 100 megabits advertised to them, and probably 95 percent of the time are getting 100 megabits or more. But they're dissatisfied. Yeah, mm. and then what we found is like people want to lay in bed with their iPad and read a book, and they weren't getting coverage because the router was on the other side of the house you know or in the basement and so by putting two or three repeaters in the house or mesh units then now they can sit and everything works just fine do you own those or do you like i mean you provide that for the yeah we provide them because we use the isp version so then we have a, a like a portal that we can log into and we can manage firmware we can you know, do signal analysis. So when people call in and their TV is not working, we can help them and, and whatnot. It's, it, it has been an absolute game changer. 99% of our calls were indoor Wi-Fi related on the fiber network, and those have gone down to nothing. So now our number one call is changing credit card numbers. So we, <laughs> so we, so we, replaced. yeah. No, I'm curious. In in apartment buildings, do they, are these things getting smart enough now, where like they can really minimize their power output and be, and so there's less uh, interference and congestion from everyone having their own devices? No, but don't tell anyone. But if, since these all run in the Uni One band, Uni One is pretty quiet, so there's not a lot of issues. Where you run into issues is running in Uni Three in apartment buildings. That's that's where you run into problems. Okay, um, Uni One, Uni Three. Don't tell anyone. What are Unis? Yeah, <laughs> just the band blocks. You know, like fifty one hundred <laughs> through fifty two hundred block of of not the five point eight spectrum. But you know, when we get into Wi Fi six E, we're gonna have that nice big. Remember the Trump administration's FCC releasing that? That you know how great they did. So mm -hmm. that, that'll be a big game changer, Mr. Mitchell. Yep. By the way, the, the biggest news you didn't even bring up. Huh? The Supreme Court whacked down the OSHA mandate a few minutes ago. No, oh, well, I didn't even know that. I've been I've yeah. been working, Travis. Yeah. So so losing all of our crews, not a problem anymore. So thank you. Whoop whoop, Supreme Court. 
Um, yeah, Travis, when you were freaking out about this, I was basically like trying to talk you off the ledge about um, the likelihood of of it surviving through all of this. Um, uh, even if um, even if the Supreme Court hadn't acted here, I think there would have been other opportunities where it would have been whacked down, as you say. Um, but uh, for people who are really interested in that, I'll just say that there's a, a podcast that I enjoy. Um, um, uh, advisory opinions by the dispatch and um, they cover this a lot. One of the, the lawyers who argued against OSHA um, is uh, his wife is uh, on it, Sarah Isger. And so uh, if you really want to get into the details of some of that, uh, it was good. And I'm sure they'll have more coverage of it. So go ahead, I Kim. Travis, you were going to talk about like that. We don't still have a fifth FCC commissioner. At least Trump's white house had five FCC. <laughs> That's one of the reasons that they got stuff done here and there was that it helps to have that, that three, two vote. Yeah, uh, and I, I, why can't they get someone in there, Chris? Does no one want the job or what? Oh, Gigi's waiting to be confirmed. The problem is, is that like, particularly the broadcast industry does not like her because she doesn't think that one person should own every last piece of media that the United States has. <laughs> Um, I mean, there's this whole big issue that most of us don't pay attention to the FCC covers, which is that one of the things the FCC is supposed to be promoting is, is varied ownership so that you don't have one outlet that owns all of the newspapers and all of the news stations and everything else, because that just might be bad for democracy. <laughs> so um, Gigi is someone who cares a lot about that. And those folks uh, really don't like her because they want to take over everything. And then, um, and then let's just say they want to make all media as good as FM is um, at this point. So <laughs> who's right. listened to FM in so long? I don't even know if I have even turned on my radio in my car to FM in the no. past. Well, so there's, there's sports talk radio on there now. So I listen to that sometimes. <laughs> that well, always going to am. Who wants the job? You want to be the new FCC person? No, nope. no, no. Uh, so Gigi is up right now. Um, and there's, I think um, there's, a, I just saw that, um, that Senator Tom Tillis, is opposing her and uh, for people who are interested tom tillis is a senator from uh north kakalaki uh north carolina and um kim do you recognize that name at all you know you know his history i don't i am from north carolina but i don't recognize that name so he was speaker of the house when uh when at that time time warner cable wrote the legislation in 2010 well actually it was 2011 after the 2010 elections he was speaker of the house um, and he pushed through and re and did not allow any kind of real process um, uh, to have the public engage in legislation that stopped municipal networks in North Carolina. Um, a few years later, uh, one of the a long term senator in North Carolina, um, these are the, this, he was Speaker of the House in the North Carolina legislature. And one of the senators in the North Carolina legislature um, uh, retired and was just super angry at, at Tillis and claimed that Tillis had personal um, uh, gain uh, that came from uh, basically letting Time Warner Cable write all that legislation. Time Warner Cable is now Charter Spectrum. Tom Tillis does their bidding every chance that he gets. And Charter Spectrum basically runs the North Carolina legislature uh, leadership along with AT&T. Yeah, so I know that it's shocking to you, Chris, that I don't look like that. Um, I'm that old, but I left North Carolina in 1999. <laughs> <laughs> I still I left Pennsylvania in 1991 or 1992, and I still feel like I'm I'm attached to it. So, 
Anyways, so Tom Tillis of 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 uh, Republican senator from uh, Charter Spectrum is trying to hold up uh, Gigi's uh, vote to try and stop her, which at least is good because I guess he thinks it's probably going to pass because um, it wasn't clear that she would have enough votes because um, it sounded like maybe one of the Democratic senators wouldn't be um, um, voting for. Her. And since it's 50 50, uh, that would be a problem. But I think they're using a lot of sound bites from Gigi to not get her confirmed, saying that she's a radical and that she is out there. And they really don't think that's the case at all. Um, I think that she's very pragmatic and very reasonable of all models. But when you see a challenge in this market, you try to like squash it. So I think it's it's very a misinformation campaign. And mm-hmm. I'm used to that at Utopia Fiber. So I like I hope she gets through, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. I personally really like Gigi and it's, um, there's a part of me that was really not looking forward to um, the times in which I'm sure I'm going to disagree with her because <laughs> like, she's not a radical. Um, and I, actually I'm not a radical, um, um, but Gigi is someone who takes seriously other people's concerns. And I would say that like, even if Gigi and I disagreed totally um, it's important to have people out there who just take their job seriously. And I'm not going to cast any aspersion, name any names, but there are a lot of people in public service you run into who don't do the homework. And Gigi knows the subjects. She does the work. And um, and I think she'd be really good on the commission. Yeah, me and Travis don't get along most of the time, but I mean, we're still friends. Never. I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. So, it's, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I guess I don't really know. So when is there a vote coming up soon or how does that I work? don't know what the schedule is. Um, okay. Yeah, so, so I it's think... I think it's a 26. Is that, is that the committee vote or is that the floor vote? That's a committee vote. Okay, so she has to get out of committee and then to get on the floor, and that'll be a different vote. Yeah, okay. I think it was supposed to be today, and then it got pushed. No. So, two weeks from now. <sighs> um, so, I'm curious about um, um, both of you are – wait, am I remembering correct? Kim, are you doing the affordable connectivity plan? Um. What, the affordable Does, is Utopia using that the affordable connectivity program or your providers taking the part e- of it? The new EBB one, e- the e- emergency e- broadband benefit transition we, to ACP. We, yeah. So we applied and we were approved to be a provider on that. But it gets a little bit wishy-washy with Utopia because we have two bills. Like somebody gets a, a bill for Utopia for basically the line into their house and they get a, um, like a service provider. So um, a lot of our can we pause there for a second? Because yeah. this is something I was talking with someone about. So they literally like they might get like on a Monday one bill and on a Friday another bill. Is that how it works? So yeah, you get two bills. Usually it depends on how they want. Like the ISP wants to bill it. We bill it at the beginning of the month for the the month ahead. Um, depending on the ISP is how they are. Uh, for the most part, our bills start about sixty five dollars. There's some that are lower, some that are higher uh, for two hundred meg symmetrical. But thirty of that month dollars goes to Utopia for the line, the fiber line, the ONT and all that stuff. And then the 35 goes for the services. Um, but it's like a very transparent bill because with an open access network, we, as me, as a marketer, will say that I need to be part of that equation, right? It's not necessarily convenient, but one of the, the like flaws of the Utopia network when we were back in the day, when we had our issues is that we didn't, we weren't part of the equation. So they could have an ISP and not know Utopia was involved. One of the problems is if one of those ISPs wasn't performing, they jumped off the network and went to an incumbent instead of jumping onto another provider on mm-hmm. the network, on the Utopia network. So we want to make sure the way we market now is you're a Utopia customer, but what flavor of Utopia do you want? Which ISP do you want? Um, so we kind of control the customer experience 
and make sure that they have the best customer experience and we can make sure the ISPs are performing. Um, and if they're not, then the customers can switch uh, to another ISP, uh, which we, we don't really have any of those issues anymore, but we're a little bit, uh, we're a little bit cautious because that's one of our value propositions is offering the best customer experience through the whole process. But yeah, a customer gets two bills um, from us. So yeah, that that's why that we usually let the ISPs lead on the EBV effort um, mm -hmm. because they're the ones who are actually providing the service. And now since it's $30, um, that's like that covers most of that, that ISP bill. Okay. So, it's it's interesting. So, what does the actual cost, the average consumer pay? About sixty five for two hundred fifty metric for both the ISP and the Utopia piece. Yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah. So it's an what, price. I've always been curious. What does it take to be an ISP provider on Utopia? Can anyone do it, or do you have to meet some thresholds? You have an application process because we have had some issues in the past where ISPs were not performing. Um, okay. So we do have an application of. Like you have to meet this criteria and what this is and make sure you have been vetted enough to provide the customer experience that we expect and demand from our ISPs. Okay. So Travis, so, we don't know if you would apply. We that we don't no, know. No, I, I'm just yeah, I'm just curious how it works. So <laughs> so, so Utopia charges thirty five dollars a month. Thirty dollars, yeah. Thirty dollars thirty dollars for the connection. The ISP generally charges thirty five. Yeah, like on average, some are would be, would be two, different, two different bills they would get. Okay. Any did you ever get any pushback from customers on that or are they fine with it? Um in the beginning we did. I think that now that we've been out there for so long, it's really kind of been a little more standardized. Um we do a <laughs> just tell them you want one bill, you can go to Comcast. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy. We, we when we do a survey every year, we ask the question, and I think that's the the most feedback of that we get is why do I have two bills? Um it's it goes into a financing issue back in the day is because we finance the like the connection or the build through this and the bondholders want to be in first position to collect the money, which makes sense. Um, hmm. They don't want to be going through conduit of a of a company that mm -hmm. could go bankrupt and they never get their cash back. So gotcha. okay, yeah. all right. So we have um, huh. Doug just retweeted <laughs> the show starts in 20 minutes. We'll be over um, by then. And, and I think um, I'm just going to um, in the chat, which was, does an ISP have to charge a M, like a certain MRC, MSRP? Um, no, we charge them a little bit for the transport, but they can charge whatever they want. Um, we do not at Utopia want to race to the bottom ever. Um, because I don't think that it been, is beneficial to anyone. I know that there are some open access providers in the country who like this dollar gig or whatnot. Um, we want to make sure that our ISPs have enough margins to operate and that we don't have a fear of them going under, like out of business because of that. But so it's they don't. But we kind of like we look at it and we're like, are you sure you're ready to do this? What are you doing it for? Are you sure that you can provide the customer experience? So we'll push back to make sure that they that they can provide the service level that we expect, but ultimately the price point is theirs. And who, I've always been curious on this is, and then, so who actually rolls out to somebody's house to fix, uh, to do break fix? So Utopia Fiber usually rolls out and we will like, and it, depending on how we, like how the customer breaks it. So if it's an ONT issue, that's just out of like end of yeah. life, 
kind of gear, we'll just replace it because that's our problem. That's our gear. No charge. Do you yeah. supply the router then, or does the does the ISP supply the router? We do not supply the router. Our DMARC is at the ONT, and then um, like the if the ISP, some ISPs elect not to provide routers, and some ISPs elect to provide routers. So, hmm. and welcome, Doug. We found Doug. Doug, kind of, he said it starts at five o'clock, and it's always Central Time when he says it time. Oh, no, no. I always try to say Eastern time because I feel like that's what the world starts and rises by. I realize oh, we, send, we send our, your calendar entries, um, the calendar invites, to your old AOL account. <laughs> which I probably did now. <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe you were just bemoaning um, the, uh, the unfortunate results of that Wisconsin-Maryland basketball game, uh, oh, men's I, basketball. I don't bemoan anything. <laughs> just, this team is not going to win very many games. <laughs> it was a it was a good game. Maryland's looking good. Um, <clears throat> welcome, Maryland's Doug. Lose, Maryland's losing every game by one point. They're awesome. Yes. If we're going to talk about heartbreaks, I mean that on the Rose Bowl that Utah lost that that game was still heartbreaking to me. Yeah, it was stolen. <laughs> so, um, Doug, I was trying to save a couple of things, hoping that, that you would come. And, and this one in particular is uh, something that I think we can all enjoy. Henry, um, do you want to load up the other clip that you have ready? Uh, I'm sure <laughs> some folks some, some folks yes. saw this. <laughs> this is that uh, the, the classic thing. I feel like when you like introduce a great product and um, unexpected problems arise. <laughs> well, it's not a problem. Those cats are enjoying it. There no problem for them at all. Yes. yes. Although, I mean, I have to think that, like, if 5G causes problems, like, that might <laughs> be a little bit of a, um, you know, that whole, like, inverse squared rule. Like, they're getting a, they're getting whatever radiation is coming out is entirely going into their butts. <laughs> you know, I had a, I was on a wisp in the Virgin Islands for 10 years, and there were, there was a couple morning doves that sat right in front of my antenna every day and cut me off. <laughs> I mean, you had to run out and show them away. So you know, animals are an issue. That's for sure. It's interesting. So. Well, we were we were talking earlier today about how if we should have a graphic that if anything goes wrong, it's just like a squirrel munching on fiber, um, right? To throw up. Yeah. Um, the um, we talked a little bit about um, CES. Any any highlights or any products from CES that that you thought were interesting, Doug? Be honest, I haven't paid any attention whatsoever. Smart I man. About, I worry about products when they actually can be purchased. So, okay, and we talked a, we talked a little <laughs> bit about whether we talked a little bit about whether people care about their broadband speeds. Let's dive into that. Um, okay. So, uh, Doug, you say people do not care about their broadband speed anymore, um, and Travis brought it up a little bit. But we didn't really flesh it out. So, hey, what did you mean? Couple things. One is. We do surveys for a living. There was a big survey that came out last week, and that survey said 45% of people didn't even know what speeds they have. <clears throat> so, mo you know, half of people don't even know what speeds they are. So they don't care about speeds. They care about performance. And so and we have this monstrous fixation on speeds, and yet a speed on a cellular connection of 100 megabits, a speed on a cable network at 100 megabits, and a speed on a fiber network at 100 megabits three completely different products. Can I ask you a question on that, Doug? So yeah. you're talking about like, so is it what, like, is it like a, would that survey, was it a demographic or was it a specific area? Like no, it was nationwide. It was 2000 homes, but, but it's, uh, it's Lightman research and they do this survey once a year. And, and, but I get very similar results and having done probably 70 surveys in, in counties over the last two years. 
about half the people don't have any idea what kind of speeds they get. So, I mean, they just don't know. They don't know what they pay. They don't know what speeds they get. It's pretty amazing what people don't know about their broadband. So. Well, to be clear, like I had no idea how many amps flowed into my electric panel um, until a not. tree branch fell on it. And I had to learn that because um, right. it turns out that zero is a real problem. Um. <laughs> now, they do care if it works. <laughs> yes. People care. Right. Well, that's, that's the point. I think you made a great point, which was that like yeah. a lot of the people, probably a majority of the people who are frustrated about broadband in the United States by sheer numbers, a majority of them have more than 100 megabit per second connections. Right. Well, they have to because, um, you know, the, th the three biggest ISPs are Comcast, Charter, AT&T and Verizon, which are almost all 100 megabits or faster. Those three are 75 percent of the entire market. So. I know Travis is catching them fast, but oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, on, on that point, I actually think it's worth. I mean, Travis, if I if I'd ask you, like, and I and I said like the top fifteen cable and telephone companies, what percentage of the U.S. market do you think they they have for market share? The top fifteen combined. Yeah, like so, like say the top oh. eight or nine cable and the top like five or six telephone companies. Well, let's see. So, assuming that eighty three percent of the u s population lives in urban areas which are covered by them, I'm gonna say I'm gonna be real original. I'm gonna say eighty three percent is covered by the top the top ones and the answer is ninety five percent of all broadband customers ninety five percent all the rest of you amazing. Guys, the two of you and everyone else we know is the other five percent so. thanks and that's like a that's like more than a thousand isps go ahead, Kim. So, yeah. Travis, we have to get some more customers is what they're saying. Well, yeah. and, and I've always wondered if this is, you know, the conspiracy theorist in me, is this why, you know, the rural has become such an issue is because these large providers own all the urban centers and they just. They're, yeah, they I feel like they I mean, do I'm, good enough. So Doug or Kim can tell me I'm wrong. But the way that I always respond to this is if you're an elected official, and you're like, I want to do something on broadband. Well, you can run into a buzzsaw of cable and telephone lobbying companies by trying yeah. to do something in urban areas, or you can go to rural areas where, like, yeah, they're going to be trying to shape the program a bit, but they're not going to be fighting you to the death to stop you from investing in rural areas. Sure. sure. Yeah. To get to the 95%, Travis, remember that the cable companies have almost all the county seats, too. So even in the most rural county, the county seat has three quarters of the people, and they have a cable available. So, and they may not, now they don't get good cable there. Their cable may say it's 100 megabits and really deliver 40, but it'll claim 100 megabits. So. Well, maybe they'll get Breezeline now. Yeah, Anyone I can't keep up it? with the name changes. That were, and, there's and been like there's been like three major rebrandings in the last two weeks. Ultimately, <laughs> they'll hit the the power players in that county with a connection that they like it's good enough right right and that's the problem they'll hit the people who make the decisions and then exclude all the people whose voices don't matter necessarily so nothing gets through so it's they'll go they know exactly what they're doing when they're out there mm -hmm. i'm curious here's something that travis will know that i'm always curious about i work in small markets and what i see when we do detailed speed tests is that even in one little town of five thousand people half of the half of the people in town are getting the speeds that are being advertised on the cable system. The other half are getting horrible speeds. And, and what it is, is the, it's the old network problems, way too many cascades, blah, 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 you know, all the, you know, bad wires. They never come out and correct the leakages. Are you seeing that in places like Minneapolis? Well, I think what, what we're actually seeing is so, you know, after. He's saying, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I'm, but, but what's really been interesting, and I've been trying to put my finger on this is, so if we offload 50% of the cable subscribers on a node in a neighborhood, our value proposition gets less and less valuable because the reliability right. of the remaining 50% has gone up exponentially. Absolutely. So, so where, so where do we, where do we, you know, where do we totally penetrate at is, is the big question. Wow. And, if you, and if you overlay the whole thing about speeds, you know, a lot of people, they just don't want to go through the hassle to switch and what they have is good enough. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's, well, so you're apparently, so your goal in life is to make charter better. I think that's awesome. Well, <laughs> but, but, but on, on, on a flip, on a flip side, you know, our, our areas that we built 12 years ago, we still are getting adoption at, even this year, you know, sure. or two. so. Right. But I think whether it's, market. whether it's the CenturyLink DSL system, which is obviously tremendously variable across Minneapolis and St. Paul yeah. um, or Comcast and in St. Paul, I hear it, but there's, I've heard stories about Comcast over the years in Minneapolis too. Uh, there's neighborhoods where it's definitely far flakier than others. Um, oh, yeah. And regarding, I just want to say, Doug, regarding the comment about uh, the number of mergers, I, I find the number astounding. So, yes. which, well, it for those who are paying from, attention, that's one of the mergers. What's yes? What's happened is venture capital has decided telecom is sexy, and I don't know why, because ask Tra Travis. The returns are still not any better than they ever were. <laughs> look, at, look, at, look at your screen. Look at they didn't get they didn't sexy. Get any look at the better. four of us. Yeah, hey, but the multiples are going hey, up like hey, crazy. Chris, calm down, calm down with that comment. <laughs> I'm, I'm Kim. You're bringing up the average. I'll tell you that. <laughs> But like, I think that like VC is in this market right now, but you're, I think that that's a problem too, because they're directing decisions that's not, that are not beneficial for the country. And because it goes back to this really quick ROI. And if you're, if you're basing every decision on a really quick ROI, you're not doing what's best for the country at all. Well, and, Kim, and, this and is, they're not going to achieve that ROI. So yeah. five well, months of yeah. But I want to, Kim, well, this is one of the things that I think you see that others don't maybe, which is that there are places that are coming to you for help mm -hmm. and then they decide to go to another unproven kind of place, mm -hmm. which is probably doing it because they have so much money being thrown at them that they mm -hmm. can just engage in, in plans that are not well vetted. No, absolutely. Like there is a competitor in this area that like won a city over us and the city decided to go with them because they offered all of these promises. That was five, like three years ago, um, and they've only built into the the high end, high demographics, best ROI areas. And you're just like, so you're doing the exact same thing you were to have done ten years ago, and you're not connecting what the U.S. and the FCC and the federal government keep saying is that we want to connect the underserved or unserved. So you're just exacerbating the problem that we have seen over and over again. And that company may never build to the rest of it. Well, then, how, how can they make them do it? They won't. Because it well, that's yeah. Right. Okay. I want to. I want to make a note that um. You know, we said we talk about a bunch of different stuff, but this is also um, user participation. People should throw in the chat if they want us to talk about specific things, whether I mentioned it or not. Uh, we can do that. I also want to say I finally remembered to bring. This is a former guest. Um, runs uh, the Clarksville um, light band in. Um, Tennessee. So thank you for this. I got some cold water, uh, courtesy of, of, uh, of this, uh, lovely thermos here. I and believe he, did, he just threatened to I, throw cold, cold water on our conversation. I, I, I was going to comment Kim, on, her, on her product placement during the, uh, <laughs> during the podcast or the, you know, very well done. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, I like it. I like it. 
So I um, it even has their name on it. Wow, they're fancy. Wow, that's great. Um, I wanted to. I, I want to see. I mean, Doug or Kim, um, Travis. I think you might be more reacting to this, but uh, we have seen interesting stuff coming out of both LA County and New York, whether it's um, Erie County and Buffalo, whether it is the Governor Hochul of New York announcing this um, really quite interesting plan. Um, and you want to talk about any of that stuff, Kim or Doug? I, well, I still stand by my previous statement that a tier one uh, NFL city will not get muni broadband. So that is my whole big statement. But I will go this, back to that. Is Buffalo a tier one city? Yeah, but it, I mean, it has it's an, an NFL. NFL. It's an yeah, NFL. It is. And it's a lovely place. <laughs> There's a lot of great stuff about it. Yeah. I just wanted to, I just wanted to, like, you know, be a well, little controversial. <laughs> my, my, you know, I don't play a whole lot of heed to these announcements until someone builds the network. You know, intentions, New York, upstate New York now, this is probably their third go around where they've been promised something big and then nothing happened the last two times. And so the people are really jaded up there. I thought things were moving. I mean, they, they had trouble identifying money, but now they have the money to, to throw into it. Well, well, now they do, but we'll see how it translates into serving all the neighborhoods. And, you know, I, the, the intentions are good. I mean, I like what they're saying they're going to do. Um, and so and in this they, case... To, to be clear, and Doug, you might have you might have a better sense of this than I do. Um, uh, I'm doing my homework today, um, first time ever. Um, uh, Erie County, which is where Buffalo is, uh, is going to be building a kind of a backbone and then leasing that to Empire, which is a, a company that it feels to me like has built a lot of trust in upstate New York, offering good service, and um, and they're going to be extending that to homes. Right. I mean. We've seen that model work in other places. I mean, you know, it, it helps the second guy if the first guy builds some of the roads. So, I mean, that's not, they don't need 100% investment. But you got to recognize that county has really good density. So, um, so you know, the math actually works fine, I'm sure. So, even when you average in the rural areas, I'm sure that it looks really good. So. Okay, so Governor Hochul announces that they are going to be doing a lot of interesting things. They are going to um, eliminate the fees uh, uh, that fiber deployers have to pay for certain aspects of right-of-way and pole rental, although I don't understand exactly how that works, and that bill may have actually already been signed. So that was not that's less speculative, I think. Is that, is that your sense of it, Doug? Yeah, and I don't find that exciting. I'd ask Travis. That's a really tiny part of the cost of building network. That yeah. to me, that's a nice political. You don't have to pay pole replacement costs. I mean, that's like twenty five thousand dollars a pole. That's a pretty big deal, isn't it? No, no. I think it's rent. It's pole. just rent. It's rent. rent. No, no, no. I think uh, my understanding is, and I yeah, could be, can... yeah, like we have to pull, pay for the pole replacement yeah. if we want it. But you is... do, but in New York they don't. It's split among yeah. the telecom users, I believe. Yeah, but I mean. Who, like, but I mean, do they have the timeline? I think that's more of a fear. So if they're like, the government's right. going to get into this, how, how, like, is it a month that they're going to replace that poll or is it going to be a year? <laughs> that, that issues, but that goes into the issue of how they're they going to replace all the polls or yeah. just three of them and then skip two of them. So, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't think it'll be that bad. I mean, I, oh, it's, so it's we'll talk bad. about the. We'll talk about the Treasury rule. I'm I'm running out of cynicism. You know, the Biden administration um, with his rule out of Treasury, which we'll talk about, um, just destroyed my reserves of cynicism. So, you know, if he runs out of cynicism, we're going to have to get another return panel. 
<laughs> That's the whole reason I come here. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so New York. Well, okay. I'm, let me do something. I want to try and get Heather Gold on here. You want to? You want to? Someone who's going to have some willing to say some um, strong things. Someone who can back it up with with more experience in this industry than I have years on this earth. Um, we had her on to have some fun, Heather candid Gold. conversations. Are you trying to say Heather is old? I mean, she's one of no. my best. I mean, no. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I assume Heather has a hundred or two hundred years left. <laughs> The um, New York, um, so another thing that they're doing is um, they're going to be spending a bunch of money on public housing and trying to uh, really maximize usage of that American connectivity program. And the crown jewel, from my point of view, is potentially hundreds of millions of dollars for municipal open access fiber. Kim, did you did you catch that? Did your eyes pop out of your head? What happened there? I First of all, I haven't heard of this announcement because I've been too busy deploying open access fiber. Um, but like, what, what is the, like, just by the announcement that you said, it worries me, right? Mm -hmm. Like it just worries me of how they deploy it. I don't want to be a cynic. I don't want to, I'm like pr probably too much on Travis's side, but I just get really like iffy if they can really, like they, they have these big announcements and they have these big people, but who are they going to hire to really run that? Yeah. Right. I mean, we saw from Utopia's early history, you can do yeah. it really poorly. And so, you know, open access is no, even if you throw money at it, it's, there's no guarantee of success. It's a, not an easy business to run. So. I hate I, you all. I'm yes. just, I hate you all. <laughs> I talked to a government official today and he goes, because we're working with this city. And he said, I have never seen a governmental agency run at the speed you guys do. And I'm like, that's why we're successful is because right. we don't run at this, we can wait two weeks to make something happen. We're like, what's happening in two hours? And I think that is a very unique thing that Utopia Fiber has that a lot of governmental agencies, like I don't get to work eight to five. I was out on my computer at 4 a.m. and I was on my computer at 10 p.m. last night. Like it's it's just how how much dedicated to the cause are you? Oh, I agree, Kim. But I, I just also want to make it clear: like, there's a, there's more than just you that do it. No, we just don't notice it, right? Like, I mean, if a water main breaks on my road tonight, they're going to be out there, right? Like, that's government. Right. Like, it's not. I mean, they. So, like, I just want to. I want to give credit to like some of this, and and like this is the standard that we should demand. Like, yeah, and, absolutely. And I, yeah. Absolutely, but I mean, in the broadband, a lot of people are like are like, eh, and I'm like, no. I just want to, I just want to be clear. Like, I feel like New York was like, Hey, like that stuff that y'all keep talking about, we're going to do it. And then Doug and Kim are like, whatever. Let me balance. Yeah. Out your, knew what I was going to say. Yeah. Let me balance out your, <laughs> let me balance out your enthusiasm. Yeah. California is taking their billions, giving it all to the big carriers for middle mile. No, yeah. they're not. <laughs> Yeah, they no, are. Not. I can tell you. Oh, okay, I'll be very. I'm gonna be very surprised if that happens because it, it's it's public now. Matt Rantanen is helping to guide that process. A uh, close friend of mine, and and he's trying to make sure that that he's connecting um, all 109 tribes of California. And I don't think the big guys are trying to like get the money to be like building those networks out to those um, remote areas. So um, I'll, I'll take that bet that the, the, the carriers are gonna get them. I think that California is trying their best to overcome some of the incumbents taking the money. And I think their middle mile project and where they're going and it, that it's open access, it's, it's a bigger step than I think of a lot of states have made. Can they execute on it? We'll see. 
So we're going to bring in Nate Benson. Um, oh, Nate, I'm, I'm going to come to you in a second um, to talk sure. about um, uh, what's going on in Buffalo because you track that very closely. Um, okay. And um, in wrapping up California, which we can come back to further, but in um, – uh, I'm I'm really curious to see what happens, and I, I just want to know Kim's comment. Like, I don't think is I'm not going to say that the, the carriers, the big monopolies, should get zero of the dollars. Um, you know, there might be places where it makes sense, but um, everything that I see suggests that California is, in various ways, trying to break this. And something we could come back to is I just feel like these Treasury rules, which destroyed my cynicism, um, also to me show that since the pandemic began, the cable and telephone companies are losing power. They cannot set the agenda like they used to. They still have a lot of power, but it's declining. So, um, Okay, I'm going to grant you that because the Treasury okay. rules were straight out of the White House and they're good. So. Okay, so we'll, we'll, we're going to come back to that. But Nate, um, um, I got the sense that, that you had something you could contribute regarding um, Doug's uh, just uh, just um, just saying that um, uh, the Buffalo area in Erie is um, not going to happen. I didn't say that. I said I believe any project when I see it built. Well, and Nate, just remind everyone who you are, because not everyone here has listened to every episode of Community Broadband Bits. <laughs> Sure. So uh, I'm, I'm Nate Benson. I'm a, a reporter based out of uh, Buffalo WGRZ TV, and I'm actually at the uh, the office right now. Um, and back in 2019, I started covering uh, broadband pretty uh, pretty closely, not just in uh, Buffalo, but the Western New York area. Uh, for those viewers who don't know, Western New York's about the size of Massachusetts. A lot of rural areas. Uh, Buffalo, Niagara Falls, Jamestown are our three kind of largest largest cities, um, and we're maybe like an hour west of Rochester. So putting that in perspective, a pretty large space. Um, that for the longest time, a lot of the rural areas and even the more uh, Im impoverished areas of the city of Buffalo really didn't have, you know, quality internet or internet at all. So that's what I started uh, looking into in 2019. And, uh, you know, two and a half, three years later, here we are still covering it. And a quick question, the Fruit Belt, um, I think may have, is it the Fruit Belt? What's the neighborhood? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah the Fruit Belt. Uh, neighborhood. Yep, they're supposed to get a CBRS installation. Do you know if has that been moving forward at all? They they were working on. I haven't gotten a uh, project update on that yet. Uh, they they uh, actually just reached out to them the other day. Uh, they were supposed to have that up and running over the fall, and I assume probably you know COVID and other things might have slowed it down. But uh, I'm I'm expecting an update on that uh, here shortly. Okay, so um, you're not a spokesman spokesman for if I remember County Administrator Mark Poland cars. I am like not. Is no, that no. his name? Yeah, Mark Polencars. Yeah, he, uh, our county executive. Okay, so what is the status of that program, um, or is that what you want to come on to chat up, chat up, chat about? You know, there's the Erie Net program. There's, of course, the one billion dollars Governor Hochul's pledging. Uh, there's all sorts of things I can chat about. But with Erie sure. Net, um, you know, they're waiting on American Rescue Plan funds and obviously infrastructure spending to move that along. Uh, as far as I know, they're they're developing the corporation that's going to operate uh, this ErieNet project, and they've been having conversations with the uh, the providers about well, if we build this middle mile, will you connect the last mile? And you know, my sources have told me that there's mixed mixed reviews with that, so to speak. Some of the the carriers aren't on board yet, but you know, I think uh, you know that's it's an effort that the county is going to keep moving forward. I have a question. Okay, and then Kim, go ahead. Are the like if the carriers connect that last mile? Are they going to own the like that own that fiber to the last to the customer? As far as I understand, you, you know Erie County is willing to uh, to delay. I think it was like 380 miles of, of fiber to act as the middle mile, and then you know 
they would have either discounted or just access to that middle mile uh, to connect the neighborhoods at the last mile. So, you know, the idea would be either connecting lines that are just there dormant or running new last mile lines to uh, to connect those neighborhoods. So I, I, I believe they would be owning that infrastructure that would connect to the middle mile. And Kim, do you just want to say a word about why you're interested in that? Why does it matter? Because you're like just providing another monopoly in essentially, right? right? Like, so you're just the the government is funding another monopoly by building the middle mile and just like saying, here's your customer, because how many other ISPs are gonna come out and build that last mile when you already have a last mile built? Right. Yeah. the interesting thing that's happening in Western New York over the last few years is we have a Rochester-based, uh, you know, small provider, Greenlight Networks, who's who's been slowly coming into Buffalo, and now they just announced Cheektowaga, which is a, a first-ring suburb of Buffalo, you know, and they're they're laying in new fiber lines to connect, you know, areas that don't have, uh, you know, they either have a monopoly provider or there's no service in those areas whatsoever. So, you know, I think as you know these these monopoly uh, organizations start getting competition for maybe a smaller one, you know, there might be some wiggle room. You might see some, some expansion and, or at least competition, however small or big that may be. And the governor Hochul's announcement is a $1 billion promotion. It's called connect all. If people want to dig into it now, how is that related to the law that just got signed regarding the polls? That was just happened yesterday or today. It looks, it looks to be, you know, I think, it's not directly connected, but I think, you know, obviously the governor was anticipating signing it. You know, th- this poll issue has been um, been talked about for quite some time. I actually uh, sent some freedom of information requests uh, to the state uh, a year ago. The, the big issue was the state DOT was uh, ramping up their fees for, for make ready or right of way access on state owned, uh, you know, right of ways. And um, I calculated that about... Uh, 1.5 billion a million dollars rather just to, over the course of uh two or three dozen projects in my area um they collected last year and you know there was one five mile stretch uh that one company had that they were being charged one hundred eighty thousand dollars, you know just for the permit that's not even you know the work to, to to be done so there was a lot of um you know foul play being cried by the, by the service providers over this a lot of state lawmakers were looking into the issue you know, because they were arguing that it was stunting rural broadband development and deployment. You know, so it kind of coincided. There was a Western New York state senator that had a bill similar to the one that just was signed. Uh, the governor signed the Democratic version, not the Republican version. But the, the the state senator in my area supported the Democratic version. They they talked about this bill uh, together. So, um, you know, Governor Hochul included that in her, you know, connect all kind of initiative, I think anticipating that she was going to sign it. Right. So I think, you know, she kind of knew of the bill and was ready to include that in her, you know, billion dollar package, so to speak. And unfortunately, the the hundreds of millions for municipal open access fiber is not ready to be signed. That has to go through the legislature. Do you have any sense of how we can uh, what we should expect in that process? Yeah, it, it's interesting. Municipal projects have really not gotten off the ground in New York State, and I don't have a good, you know, clear reason why. I mean, we're seeing obviously we're seeing that elsewhere across the country, but New York State for some reason is not not seeing that. And, and really the rural counties, especially in, in my viewing area where, where I work, you know, there's three counties I, I can think of off the top of my head that if they developed a co-op or a municipal program, you know, they could connect tens of thousands of people and, you know, with high quality service. And I think the resources are there to do it, but there's really no one leading the effort. And I think that's the big thing. There's just not a, a huge effort uh, because it's something that a lot of people really don't understand. You know, uh, they just expect that the, the big providers to do it. 
I've actually talked to a lot of people in New York State um, about open access fiber. Because mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of them are interested, but they just don't know how to get off right. the ground. And well, Southern Tier Network, I think, might be one of those groups. Um, you, know, you, don't, you don't have to volunteer who you've spoken no, with, but Southern they're moving forward. Working, but there's some other mm-hmm. ones out there who are actually working actively for something mm-hmm. up there. And I think it's just, it is, it's because open access is an easy thing to say, like Doug said, but to get it off the ground is a whole nother beast in itself um, of getting yeah. the ecosystem. So yeah, there's, 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 I also want to go back and I want to re- make sure that we go back to your original question mm-hmm. because the bill that waives those horrible right-of-way fees, that's awesome. Those are expensive and, and they don't get you anything. 90% of the country, they don't charge those. So the yeah. jurisdictions that do put themselves at a major disadvantage. And so, you know, no one wants to build when you have to spend $180,000 for five miles of right-of-way. It's crazy. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's nothing more than local money-making. This is no different than the Sunday speed traps. I mean, it's yeah. purely for money-making. It, so. it, was a, it was a pure money grab, you know, and I think anyone who finally realized what it was, I mean, it was, you know, called the broadband tax here. I mean, that's what local lawmakers were calling it. And, you know, I, I didn't uh, get the data for the state. I, it was just a little overwhelming, just the information I got for the eight counties of Western New York. But I have to imagine, you know, significant money was brought in and it was only enacted for a year, uh, uh, the, the, the data I was able to collect, you know, so I, I can't imagine what money was brought in across the rest of the state, but it, it was probably significant. Yeah. Well, Travis, I think you would for people who aren't familiar with the context, I mean, uh, when I hear $30,000 a mile of permitting fees, that could uh, could double the cost of, uh, of a cheap, of a, of a really low cost project and and still significantly add amount. I mean, because like you're looking at for um, a mile and middle mile, I think 30000 is kind of cheap and like 100000 is more rocky and like 250000 300000 a mile is like crazy. Is that <laughs> order of magnitude? Yeah, I guess I guess I've never really considered the permitting fees being all that burdensome. Quite frankly, here. Oh no, I'm talking about. Well, yeah, you don't have to deal with that, but like the just total aggregate cost of building these networks, like um, for a middle mile, like you might be looking at thirty thousand dollars a mile in rural Minnesota. I think. Actually, just rural Minnesota, you're looking at eighteen thousand dollars a mile. Yeah, no, yeah, it's it's cheap. Remember, you can vary. You can vary in rural Minnesota with a tablespoon. So yeah. that's my point. Thirty thousand dollars in permitting fees. It's not like it's not like oh they should have been charging ten thousand dollars. It's like thirty thousand no. is insane. No, most places charge you thirty five dollars for the permit. That's a totally you know period. You know that's a totally that's paperwork fee. So, yes. Okay. So um um. So, so anything else, Nate? Oh, go ahead, Travis. I need to ask Nate a question. Sure. So Nate. Um, how bored have you been since you got into the broadband field? And how many times have you fallen asleep? <laughs> you know, I, I really haven't. Um, it's I, I, I equate it to the movie Chinatown. You know, the more I dig, the, the uglier it gets. And just, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, forget it, Bobby. But, um, I, you know, I really like it. It's, a, it's something I can sink my teeth into. And, you know, under Governor Cuomo, uh, who's obviously no longer governor, you know, they were touting this 98% figure and hoorah, rah, look what I did with with only 500 million. And of course, my first response, you know, to the governor's office when they announced a billion dollar initiative, I'm like, God, that seems like a lot of money for 2%, you know, know, for further access. And obviously, you know, that figure is missing in this press release from the governor's office. And, you know, conversations I'm having with with people within Hochul's office and other state lawmakers is, you know, they're relaxing some of that language about 90% because we have this new statewide mapping uh, interactive map coming out in a year, uh, they're going to 
it, it's not going to be 98 percent. The state knows it's not going to be 98 percent. And, you know, I think they're trying to you know quell the uh, the number, so to speak. Well, and, if I uh, could. I mean, yeah. you can Nate, you could tell me that I'm um, again um, lost my cynicism reserves, but I grew up in Pennsylvania, and I'll just say like I have a lot of problems with the way Governor Cuomo designed the program and and the claims about it, but they did a pretty good job. Like, <laughs> I mean, they they got money, they got it out, they got networks built in a heck of a lot of areas, and I, I think if you look at Pennsylvania, a lot of people in Pennsylvania sure wish they were in New York based on the the connectivity difference. Oh, Pennsylvania is the national nightmare. It goes way back to when they gave Verizon a deregulation for the promise to build DSL everywhere. Mm -hmm. They didn't build one customer. <laughs> so, Nate, uh, go ahead and yeah. you can redirect if you want. <laughs> well, you know, regarding the, the the 500 million program that the Cuomo initiated, it did did some work, but you know, Verizon got the largest contract to build out, uh, you know, like the third ring suburb of Albany. The second biggest contract was 83 million dollars to Armstrong Communications. That project was supposed to be completed in December of 2018. Uh, it's still unfinished, and I'll actually have a story next week. Um, I'll give you a little sneak peek, but basically uh, I sent a freedom of information request for the progress reports. Um, they're all redacted. Uh, I, they don't know, I don't know how many miles over the last five years they've actually deployed, how many customers they have. Um, all the other progress reports for the entire program, uh, with the exception of one or two, are, are all unredacted. So only Armstrong is redacted. So the state is um, kind of trying to hide this and not, you know, be forthcoming uh, with the information of just how mm. good Armstrong's doing with, with their deployment. I know, you know, on background that um, they're having trouble with uh, the utility companies, uh, especially out in rural, very rural southern tier New York, that those poles, I think, are probably the original telephone poles in a lot of instances. So the utility companies are trying to, you know, squeeze them for everything they can get for for updating, you know, infrastructure. Um, some other projects, you know, were, you know, were completed, but the comptroller uh, for the state is going to be releasing an audit of the broadband program, and that'll give us a really good indication of who was actually connected and who wasn't. You know, when, when you dig down to the census level, level data, you know, a lot of people were given satellite Internet as part of this uh, high speed $500 million plan. So we'll see what happens. Um, that's been that was terrific, Nate. I'm really appreciate you coming on. Um, I'm going to I'm going to probably draw us over to talk about the Treasury rules now because we're yeah. running out of time. Yeah, happy happy to hop on. Thanks, guys. Yeah, good Thanks. to you. Thanks. I, I do want to know, Chris, does the fact that they use some of the money to connect satellite guys at all dip into your enthusiasm even a little bit? <laughs> yeah, it, it replenishes them some. I mean, I'm, I've, you all know that I was on a panel with a person from a satellite industry, and I use that as an example because this person was, you know, talking about the um, I don't want to I don't overstate it, but was uh, basically saying that satellite should be in the running for subsidies. And and I was saying satellite is is um, is so bad that like um, millions of Americans who desperately want Internet access choose not to use satellite service. And when the state of New York gave a bunch of people satellite service, um, you know, as part of this. Um, yeah. And people there, those people are considered unserved. Like <laughs> that's all you have to say. <laughs> so. Um, hey, hey, Doug, real quick, do you have kind of a standard number you use for a um, a bypass cost for a property when you're talking to people? You know, $2,000, $2,500. I'm just kind of curious if we gave Kim $500 million, my, my back of the napkin math says she should be able to hook up about 125,000 homes. It just really Pretty sure she'd buy an island. I, I just wonder, you know, with all these big money that these, like in New York, what if, how many people actually got served for $500 million, I wonder? 
Yeah. And I think that goes into who's serving them. Do they have investors? Is it like, because something that like came out like recently was Utopia, when we go into a new city and if like whatever, we we're a not for profit, we're not a nonprofit, but we're a governmental agency, so we can't make money. So it's like, um, like we don't charge any excess costs, but like there is a project in Utah that like we bid on it and the person who won it had $20 million. It was more, the cost, the project cost $20 million more than we bid on it um, because like overhead and profit margins. So like, it just depends. Um, well, let me, sorry, yeah. uh, Nate is still there. We can ask if, um, I, I'm just curious and we can bring him back and then I mean, we can always, we can come back to this on a future show, but Nate, do you have, um, off the top of your head, the rough numbers of, of how many people were connected? And it was really a billion dollars in theory because it was matching funds. Go ahead, Nate. Yeah. So, uh, 270 ish thousand were connected as part of the, the, you know, that, that program. Um, 500 million was uh, what the state was offering, plus another 145 from leftover Connect America funding. Um, much of it was supposed to be a dollar for dollar match. Spoiler alert: 250,000 customers is what you said. Uh, 270 ish, yeah, for 500 million. But you know, spoiler, you know, when you look at the the matching funds, like it was not a dollar for dollar. Like the companies did not live up to their end of the bargain. Uh, they did not provide those matching funds. In some instances, I think in Armstrong, I, I haven't. Uh, you know, looked at the, the data recently, I would imagine that they've spent more than what they initially want to just because they're trying to get that product off the ground. But many of the, the I would say the vast majority of the uh, providers did not match New York State's funding. In, in so fact, in some I, instances, it's like a third. If I do my math correctly right here. So this is the 500 million is only for the middle mile, right? Like, or no, 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 it was for, uh, it was this, for this, was a, this was connecting. Yeah, connecting so, so the last mile. 1850 uh, household that's connected, like, I mean, 500 million divided by 270,000. Oh, and don't forget that 30% of the, uh, of the of the program was given to uh, satellite companies. In terms of what they're claiming, who they hooked up in this, 30% of that 270,000 was to satellite customers. So it wasn't even all, I, you know, fiber. And you're, I'm assuming, cause like I have family, my mom is from upstate mm -hmm. New York. Yep. Um, and so you're not in really rocky conditions for this. Is no, I mean, the, the Adirondacks certainly, you know, it plays into this, but like upstate New York, western New York, the southern tier, like they're just houses that are far apart, right? There's not a lot of density. People move to these areas because they, they like the country, they like rural, but we're not talking that, you know, the Rocky Mountains aren't dividing New York State, <laughs> you know, so. I hate the, the, the math, Kim, is if you take out the satellite guys, it's $2,700 of passing. And, yeah, so, and, yeah. and, the, and how much of it? I think Kim missed the decimal point, is what I'm. Yeah. yeah. Is yeah. it aerial, though, or is it underground? Yeah, that's what, and then you go into how much of it is aerial. I, I think the majority of it was aerial. I mean, I'm sure there was some probably in the more suburban areas there was underground, but yeah, okay. everything, at least in my area that I've been tracking, has been aerial. Ooh. All right. So we've established a couple of things. One, Nate watches the show sometimes. Um, two, there's an auditor report coming out. I feel like we have a reverse, we have a, we have an opportunity to bring Nate back on to yeah. talk more about this in the future. Yeah, I think Kim, we might be in the wrong business. If we're getting we that, that kind of dough to build aerial networks. Yeah, but no, I mean in these areas, it might be. Doug, you can back me up, but I'm assuming that the average cost may be four or five thousand dollars a home for some of these areas. Oh no, not no to way. run in holes. No way. Oh no, it is. Doug? I mean, I'm, I have a project down in New Mexico where they, if to do it, they have to replace every pole. Mm. 
I mean, you, you can't, you cannot believe how bad rural polls are. So I wonder, I wonder, Nate, how many polls actually got replaced. And that's something I'm, I'm still waiting on that data because yeah. I, particularly with the, the Armstrong project, you know, I want to get a sense of like, okay, how much infrastructure they have to replace. I've done some spot checks driving around and when I knew crews were out, and there's a lot of new infrastructure down there. So, I mean, I, I feel like the utility companies are saying, oh, yeah, if you, we'll let you do it, but you got to replace the pole. And, you know, again, they're trying to connect some t- in some instances houses that are, you know, miles apart. But and, it's, and this whole and this whole thing is such a shame because yeah. the utility companies who neglected their polls for seventy years should pay a piece of this. That's all there is right. to it. You know, they're getting a free yeah. rebuild here. So. At the same time, I just have to throw in context. Right now, charters <laughs> running around telling everyone that if states reform it so the charter doesn't have to pay for poll costs, that they will build out and solve the rural broadband problem. And we uh-huh. see this in Florida. We see this in a bunch. I think in New York, I'm sure we saw some of this. And so the, there's uh, this there's a balance that we have to draw because if we let charter write the rules for poll attachment, folks in rural areas aren't going to get connected. And we're just going to see charters um, uh, shareholders do really well. I've had some conversations with with some folks at Charter, and similar messaging has been sent to me. Yeah, I mean, I live in the poster child state of Charter. They get everything they want in North Carolina. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. I would just like to let you. I have like my fibers coming in on a pole, not Utopia, and the pole's like this. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right, so they did. They did get somebody hooked up. So that's good news. Okay. Some people have been hooked up, but how many remains to be seen? Um, thank you again, Nate, and no um, we'll be in touch. Um, so, um, here's what I love about this show: if you watch it, we put you on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or one, the one person who's not in my family who's watching. Um, I mean, the, come on, this is first class customer service here. We got going. Yeah, on, so. yeah. I mean, that was a, that was a surprise. It's wonderful. I mean, this is um, this is the miracle of, of Henry and Rye behind the scenes. Um, y'all remember what it was like when I was driving. Uh, <laughs> I, we I would still be that, doing the introduction. We didn't call that driving. No. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we've made a bunch of references to it. Not every one of our one listener <laughs> may be aware that um, that the Treasury released the final rule and what this all means. So I do want to talk about this briefly. Um, Travis, uh, I know that you don't follow this stuff super closely, but you remember how I complained and I complained and I complained about how the White House um, had written the rules around the, the American Rescue Plan dollars and what communities could do and how they could spend them. Uh, I felt that the rules were written in a way that really benefited the cable companies because there was this talk that if um, that uh, cities should, um, and this was a, was a should situation, but cities should prioritize and, and spend the money in areas that did not have reliable 25-3. And there's this big question, what does that mean? And all this other stuff. Well, Treasury officials responsible for the rule have been thinking about it for six months. They weighed a bunch of public comments. They released new rules last week. Um, Our lead story on muninetworks.org right now explores the new rules. And they basically addressed every last concern that um, I had brought to them as part of a, um, a group in which I was not the dominant person, but like I had helped to assemble a group that uh, went to share um, concerns about the rule. And, um, and basically they wrote a rule that said cities have broad latitude to decide if there is a problem with... Um, uh, with affordability, for instance, or with reliability, and just gave the cities a lot of authority to decide how to spend uh, the money that is remaining as part of the state and local fiscal recovery fund. So that's that's the situation. Now, I want to jump in here because we 
we had a, one of these four of us on about a week after that first order came out and you were angry. I'm one of 10 people who said, I didn't think the first rules were that bad. All they did in the first rules is they did a lot of, you might be able to, because they, you know, the lawyers really made them dumb it down. But I saw all of this in the first rules. I thought cities always had a lot of latitude. The problem was the, because the first rules weren't explicit, city and county attorneys are, were afraid to use the money. They, they would look at this rule and go, I'm not sure that's what it says. These right. Well, that's rules, my issue. I mean, I'm right. Like, I could care these, less about the rules, like per the yeah, rules, but I'm interested in what it plays out in, these, in real these life. These new rules just say, if you got a problem, you can use your, this ARPA money to fix it. I mean, it could not be plainer. So, can they be challenged yeah. by any of this ever? No, they got speeds out of the picture. Speeds aren't even an issue anymore. They're not even part of it. So. Which, I mean, I, I get that, but I'm just like wondering. I mean, I, I always wonder how big incumbents are going to challenge these rules. I mean, it's. The- I think they're going to move on. I, the big incumbents benefited enough from the fact that these rescue plans monies are often already dedicated. And so this will change things around the edges. But I think the big cable and telephone companies aren't going to be sweating this. And on top of that, we're not going to see cities going out and deciding to build massive networks with this money. They're going to play around and try to get into affordability in some cases. And as Travis is responding right now, I think it's because he knows there's a lot of places in which city leaders might talk a good game, but they won't even go that far. Yeah. Remember the city's ARPA money is not nearly enough money to build fiber everywhere. It's not even within the same universe. So this, this is going to be little projects you know, it may sound like a lot of money where a city has $50 million, but... Right, like if Baltimore spent... Ev- right. If Baltimore but, spent every last penny on it, they could probably build the whole city, but most places didn't get that much. Baltimore and cities that have that level of poverty, um, they might have gotten enough, but they also have so many problems they have to they resolve have, that doesn't matter. They have six other major infrastructure problems. That yes. Right. So. so the other thing is, and I, th- I really like this, um, is that they now require that any money that is spent on broad infrastructure, um, the provider using it has to take part in the American or the uh, affordable connectivity program. So um, for the life of the program, if you're on money that was funded with the rescue plan, you have to offer um, a plan as part of the ACP. Which will be very interesting if a city uses the ARPA money to go build their business district. They got decimated by COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Which is what a lot of them are doing, Kim, which is actually a very smart money? use of the money. Yeah. So, yes, Kim, are you guys getting any of this cash from any of the? No, I mean, like some of our cities, I mean, some of the money in the first ARPA plan we use to connect like, um, like core facilities in communities, but we really haven't um, used a lot of it because we don't usually, like, we don't usually get federal money. Um, right. But can I just say, that I'm looking at all these federal programs and there's a different acronym. It's like a different federal program of the week, but different acronym of the week. Cause it's like, I can't even freaking keep up. Like I was looking at something and it's beads today. And I was like, that's the infrastructure bill. Money. <laughs> I have no idea what the acronyms are on a daily. It's time you got to read gonna, Doug more closely. We're going to get, we're going to get her <clears throat> flashcards. Flashcards. <laughs> Well, so I I did, I did, um, in the comments, if you're, if you're checking that out, um, I, we have a link to my story on muninetworks.org in which I go through these rules with a fine tooth comb. Um, and, um, I'm calling it, it's the SLFRF program. So I'm calling it Slurferf. (laughs) (laughs) He just made up something new. He's, we should, can we, can we kick the host off? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's three or four different names that people are just calling that one 
grandpa's so cold. well no i mean it's the state so this is the thing right the rescue plan created the state and local fiscal recovery for this 350 billion and then so that's solar firf and then we've got the ccpf <laughs> which is a coronavirus capital projects fund which is 10 billion dollars and the only reason that like i'm considered at all credible in this space is i have a brain that remembers that sort of stuff people will think i'm smarter because i can remember that stuff and in fact it's just a simple fact that I remember stuff like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, because you're talking about the American affordability and I'm like, it's EBB. And like, why did we have to rebrand it to EBB? Well, they had to rebrand it because it's not an, it's not going to be an emergency and they want it to carry on to like be a regular program because even in a non-emergency people should, that, that need help should be able to get some help, especially while we have a broken market. Don't they understand I'm getting older? I mean, I might look young, but I mean, my brain is not getting any younger. I well, feel like got, every show you're sharper. Out. We now know that she's best friend with someone who's apparently approaching a hundred. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, one last thing that we didn't cover. And so we had a really great question and that we'll come back to Abe in the chat was asking, um, um, I don't know, maybe we'll do it anyway, but I want to say, Doug, did you um, catch that um, Tom Tillis is trying to put a hold on Gigi's confirmation? Oh, absolutely. I caught that. Yeah. So yes. Chalk one more up for North Carolina. <laughs> this is a very aggravating state to live in. Tell I am glad know. that you're on now because then he like when you weren't on, Doug, Chris came to me because I'm from North Carolina. Now, uh, no, I was just throwing I was just throwing it out there because like I know you're you're active in Muni stuff. And so I wasn't sure if you're familiar with the important role that Tom Tillis played in terms of trying to prevent competition. No. Well, I, he's completely in the pocket of Charter, but everyone in this state's in the pocket of Charter. No, no, no. Charter's Charter in his pocket. They, they're they slipping him things in his pocket. Well, that's what I mean. But they, I mean, <laughs> Charter owns the legislature here completely. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I do want to, if, if you don't mind, um, we'll go another couple minutes to just answer this question. Um, oh, see, that's what happens. I was going to do it, and then they, okay, I'm going to let them do it. They're going to run it, and I'm going to stop screwing it up because it's totally my fault when things break. <laughs> Um, any advice for a rural county to improve broadband access um, uh, for someone who wants to be able to advance ideas um, in their election? Yes. You have to find consult with Doug. You have to find a partner. <laughs> you need an ISP to help you make this work. So find a partner. There's enough grant money out there. If your county doesn't have good broadband, there's enough money out there to fix it right now, period. Yeah, I mean, but, I you could, but you got it. But you got to have your act together. You got to know what it's going to cost. You got to have a partner willing to do it. And you have to have a plan. Otherwise, you're going to miss this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. A year from now, you're going to go, wait, those grants are done? It's like, yeah, they're finished now. That's the end of it. So, uh, Well, I think it – go ahead, Kim, and then I'll go. Well, because I was going to say, like, I mean, we're Utopia Fiber is working um, with Bozeman Fiber, which is actually a Gallatin County project, um, rebranding coming soon uh, for that project. But it's, it's a whole county project, and the county commissioners are the ones who – uh, we're, we're behind uh, making this happen. So there's a lot of counties, and I know Doug is working with a lot of counties that are really getting into this game, but there's a lot of funding and there's a lot of partners who really are interested in working um, with connecting counties because I think those are the ones who are the most underserved and unserved um, in the U.S. right now. Yeah, the real despair comes in the part of the country where there's no good natural partners. West Virginia, I'm from West Virginia. There's just there's only two or three ISPs in the whole state. It's, it's not a pretty picture. There's not, there's not enough good ISPs to do what all the counties want. The counties want to hand them their money and there's no one to give it to. First of all, new game, no, no, no. new game. 
you didn't tell me that you were from West Virginia. My family's from West Virginia. So like, wait, we, are you a Hatfield or a McCoy? This isn't the problem. I'm not really sure, but I'm this, a, okay. I, I this, uh, <laughs> this plays into what I was going to say, which is uh, we have a new game, which is pick a state and see if one of us doesn't claim to have ties there. Um, <laughs> well, so far we have never hit one. So, yeah. Um, the other thing I, I do want to say, Doug made a, a, a comment about like, don't miss this opportunity. It's also, it's not too late. Um, and no, that's particularly right. true for, um, for, for counties where you have a lot of unserved, where there's literally no broadband. Um, because unfortunately, and we can talk about this more in a future show, the money that will probably come available in the next year is mostly going to be money that is flexible and can be used in a variety of areas. The money that can only be used in the most unserved area is the bead program. And that will not be available for more than a year. So counties do have a chance to get their affairs in order before that money's coming out, if they're going to be qualifying for the unserved awards. But let me, let me just paint you a good picture of what the challenge is. I'm working with a whole lot of counties in a big section of Missouri and there's three good ISPs there. Those three ISPs can't do it all. And so the counties are competing with each other to get their attention. And so the, some of them are going to lose. And so it's going to be unfortunate. And it's, and it's just because the ISPs can only, and they're telcos, they can only chew off so much. And so they, you know, it, it, it's, it's going to be a, a race. And the people who lose this race may be another decade before we're talking about a solution. But Doug, let me ask you this question though: Are they like, are we going to see like Chrome, like false ISPs, or just like kind of things that are just kind of crap come out because like these big ISPs are going to have to choose a direction? Well, that's our fear because remember now, AT and T says they're going to pass five million rural passings, uh, Windstream, CenturyLink, Frontier, three or four of the cable companies now. Midco is a big one. Mediacom says they're going into rural America. Like, are you kidding me? So they're all going to be chasing this money. Will they do what they did in upstate New York and not even put their matching funds in? Probably. So, so the, the answer is, if the big guys win this money, that's, this is sad. One of the counties that I'm working with, we always complained about AT&T. This county, AT&T, never put DSL in originally after all these years. Including well, the county gonna, seat. The county seat didn't even have DSL. I was, I was going to say, Doug, that somewhere AT&T has a bank account with $300 million they were supposed to spend in Mississippi, and they forgot. They forgot. <laughs> they were supposed I'm to sure spend that, a lot I'm sure that money's somewhere there. It's just an accounting yeah. error. <laughs> right. Travis, any last thoughts? No, I've, I've enjoyed the conversation. I guess the, uh, the key thing I take away from it is we're going to hook up customers all year. Kim's going to hook up customers all year, and Nobody's going to beat me to be in the first NFL city fully covered. So I'm excited about that. So there we go. I'll be flopping my yap all year. Go ahead, Kim. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Travis, I am going to say on my bet that there is not going to be a muni network in the, um, in the NFL city, even in Buffalo. So I'll take, Oh, I'll t what is, what is the definition of a muni network? You mean citywide? I don't think it's, like that the city buys it and then like gives it to a private provider. I think it's a city who um, like owns it and operates it. So, okay. So let's say like a, let's say the a city um, builds a network and operates it and offers service to 10,000 low income units. Does that qualify? Let's go to 25. If we're talking about an NFL city, Chris here. Well, let's, well, let's go back to that because he's <laughs> talking about a billion dollars in upstate New York. And I would almost venture to say 
building the city of Buffalo alone will cost a billion dollars. No, there's no, not enough. A, yeah. What's that? What do you mean a billion dollars in upstate New York? There was a there's a billion dollars for all of New York, I believe. Correct. Correct. And yeah. So okay. there, there's not enough money there for that to really do the whole city. Big cities are really expensive to build. Well, let's be, let's also be clear. Like, I mean, this is the thing is that like, it's not, <laughs> we're not looking that the state of New York should not be paying a hundred percent of the costs in Buffalo. It shouldn't yeah. be paying a hundred percent of the costs in Syracuse. It shouldn't be paying a hundred percent of the costs in wherever. Like, and so the, the goal is, is to, um, is to make, is to show models to get things moving with matching funds and things like that. Okay. I would like to put one last thing that I, like I would talk to somebody about <laughs> yesterday which is we talk about these P3 models. And what P3 used to mean is that the private sector took on the risk of, of like the building out. And now a P3 model is that the government takes on the risk and like the private sector like doesn't have any risk getting into these. So like it's about what the models look like and how did they go. Um, and yeah, like I, I think that there's a lot of things that are happening. And, and that's a great point because with a lot of these grants that the big companies are going after, they're only going to be putting in 5% of the money. Mm -hmm. They don't have any real interest if yeah. they walk away from it. And they don't have any risk in it. None. We need to change right. it. Yeah, you that's know? a bad model. I mean, not not all models model. are that bad, but yeah. that is a common model that will be promoted, we'll and that is too dang bad. Yeah. Yep. I, I, we're closing we this with dang. I like this show. We could we could spend we could spend the entire next year talking about things that are bad. We could spend the entire next year talking about things that are good. I'm sure we'll go back and forth. We have one thing that we need to discuss, and I've waited an hour and twenty one minutes to get to this topic. Yes, is the bet officially over? And did no, I, I have a month left. There's miracles can happen. Oh, okay, okay, all right. What was make the sure. bet again? Which bet was this? The bet is I have to go back and figure out when it was in February, but at some point in February of 2022, it will have been one year since I said that the FCC would have updated the definition of broadband to be faster speeds by that date. <laughs> just, and buy when the, the, just buy the chicken wings. <laughs> <laughs> I have to buy chicken wings for Travis all year. And and what's funny is is like on this show he'll make a big deal about it, and then and then and I'll have to like probably physically restrain him in order to pay for it. And he'll probably only let me pay for like the wings, and he'll buy all the other parts of it because that's oh, the way no, Travis I, rolls. He's I'll super probably, generous, but he pretends not to pay, be. I will pay for everything, but it's just the victory. no, the, no, the, no. I want to pay for it. I, I, you can't you can't take that away from me. You don't want to make a bet with me again. <laughs> Well, is there a bet for this year then? I mean, I think this is a good uh, double or nothing. <laughs> I only have one last thing before we leave. Since I got here late, I did not see the unveiling of the new glasses. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. No, ah, right. very nice. But I will even put five dollars that we won't even have an FCC commissioner by February first. Um, we won't. There's no way yeah. in the world. Well, February fifteenth at this point. Yeah. I mean, hopefully we do, but yeah. Okay. Um, I, I do want to, next time we're on, I'm going to make a note. I want to talk about RDOF and I want to talk about conferences. I want to know whether we're going to meet at broadband communities in Houston in May, uh, whether we're going to meet at Mountain Connect. Is that in May? Did I get those mixed that's up? In, Is that also June? Yeah, that's in, June. That's so Mount, that's Mountain Connect's in the spring this year. I'm pretty sure it was in the, it was in August last year, but we got to pick a couple events where we're going to get together and do live events. We're going to get Henry there. We're going to have some fun. Uh, in person. So uh, we'll talk about that next time. Um, we're still, I'm still, I've been um, negligent in, in structuring the next show. So I don't know who we're going to have next week, but we're still aiming to do a connect this next week. <laughs> and um, 
Um, and we're going to, I'm going to try and bring, uh, I think maybe we'll just try and do Kim and Doug every other week or something like that, depending on how this goes, if we can convince them of that. I mean, it should be easier for Doug if he's only going to come for half the show. So well, <laughs> I, I can do twice as many this way. So. <laughs> can I ask one final question of our, of our experts here. Is 5G over with now or, or do that? 5G is not even here yet. <laughs> we're still four to five or four to five years away from 5G. I just know nobody's been talking about it lately. Well, that's, the, beca that's because they finally got everything. Oh, they they're they talking need. about it. We got C-Band coming online. Verizon's oh, yeah. going to, Verizon's got 145,000 customers hooked up to it. I think they're trying to get 5 million by the end of the year. I think, is that right? Here's um, the best answer to your question. The major vendors for 5G like Ericsson, in December, had a press release talking about their future plans to finally have 5G equipment three, four, five years from now. <laughs> if they don't have it, no one's buying it. So, yes. It's great. I love this industry. It's so fun. Oh, it was, it was real noisy. It was noisy there for a while. And then, of course, Elon Musk was going to put us all out of business for an afternoon and that kind of stuff. No, no. Now the, now the thing is, is that Elon Musk is himself is going to go out of business if he can't get the big rocket working. Which is yep. a whole thing. We might, we might, we might do a show on that. We'll see. That's um, an interesting question. Yep. So fiber is still good, everyone. Doug, Kimmy, you're still. Are we still pro fiber for the next I'm year? I'm pro fiber for. I, I mean, technically, I still have a job, so I guess we're pro fiber for a little bit longer. All right, all right, good. I just want to make sure we're still all. As on long that. as it keeps getting glasses for Kim, it's working for me. I, yep. I am up to like 15 at this point, so we're we're doing well. Kim <laughs> about LASIK. Um, in, I'm going to, I'm really going to draw to a close here. And I really want to thank everyone for coming back. It's 2022. We're going to have a lot of fun this year. We're going to get a lot of stuff done and, uh, we'll see you next week. That's been an episode of connect this. Send it.